0: to Season 2 of an Unexpected Launch, a podcast sharing stories of people thriving after an unexpected circumstance. I'm continually amazed by the stories of those who use a challenging life event to propel themselves forward and to create unexpected gifts and beauty. Susan and her husband Rob of 32 years have five children. Two of their children are in the LGBTQ community. When their first daughter came out, Susan and Rob were faced with an agonizing decision. Choose between their evangelical church or their daughter. As Susan eloquently recounts in her TED Talk, they chose their daughter. Since another daughter of Susan and Rob has come out, Susan actively supports her children and all members of the LGBTQ community. She's an international speaker, acclaimed author, and is the founder of Freed Hearts, championing the LGBTQ community and their families. Susan, welcome to an unexpected launch. Thank you, glad to be here. Well, thank you so much. So Susan, as I mentioned, you and Rob have been married for 32 years. Yes. You have five children. Tell us a little bit about your family. We, uh, our kids are grown now. They're 31
1: down to 23. And we raised them in the evangelical church um, we've always been very close. We homeschooled the kids. And, uh, and then all this stuff happened with our daughters, our first, our one daughter, and it just kind of blew the lid off where our lives were at that moment.
0: We had to rethink everything. Yeah. Yeah. So as you were raising your children, be- before your daughters came out, did you consider yourself to have a pretty, and I'm using air quotes, typical family? Yes. <laughs> Pretty typical
1: Christian family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 10 years ago, your daughter Annie, who was 20 at the time, she called you. And yes. this phone call was a transformational moment for you. Yes. Would you please share a little of your conversation with Annie?
1: Yeah, she called and she would call often just to really talk in depth. And I really loved that about our relationship. This time she said, I got something to tell you. I think I'm, I'm same-sex attracted, which was the language we had at the time. I'm attracted to girls. I've prayed about it. I've resisted it. But it won't go away. I think I'm bisexual. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what, what, what now? What does this mean um, about her future? Will she be bullied? Will she get a job? Will she ever fall in love the way Rob and I love each other? And what about our faith? Which it's from Sesame Street. You know, one of these things is not like the others. That was a, a different viewpoint to say. Now, what about what about our church? That was that was the different one. Um, our relationship will never be the same there again. And I find that now an incredible indictment of a community that's meant to be. All inclusive. You know, the sign says, come as you are, everybody
0: welcome. But it's not true. That's what we found.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think there's some confusing messages within religion, and I, I do want to dive into that in a, in a little bit. Yeah. So, in that moment that she says, Mom, I'm, I'm attracted to other women, what did you feel in that moment? I was afraid for
1: her. I was afraid for us. I didn't know what it meant. What would become of us all? You know. Um, I I didn't feel guilty. I didn't think I caused it, because I knew I knew gay people, and I knew people don't you don't cause that. Um, but I didn't know what to do with it at the moment. It really caused a deep dive for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah and i and i was so deeply touched that she entrusted herself to me that she told me that about herself the most intimate part of her she was sharing with me and i i felt like she really handed me a treasure to to sort out with her um so i'm i'm really
0: grateful that we had that relationship i think it can be so hard for for children to tell their parents because yes. they don't know what the reaction is going to be. Do you know how Annie felt after she shared that with you? Um,
1: years later, because <laughs> I think just last year we were uh, doing a podcast. We were doing a, an interview together and uh, she said in the interview, said, were you afraid? She goes, oh, I was terrified. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? I didn't, I didn't realize that. So that's. It's funny how you just, you underestimate how big a thing that is for people to say. Mm-hmm.
0: But that's huge in our in our Christian environment. Yeah. Do you know, did she go into detail of what she was terrified of? Oh, she was afraid we'd reject her. You know, we'd break the relationship.
1: Because she'd seen it in a lot of other people. Yeah.
0: So, going back to... Our conversation centering around religion. As you mentioned, your family was highly active Mm -hmm. in in the evangelical church, Mm -hmm. and you shared Annie's revelation with your closest friends in Bible study. Right. How did they react to that?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, I had shared with a couple of friends individually, and they said, individually, they said, it's a sin and you can't accept it. And so when I shared it, in Bible study, I got the same, the same kind of thing, thing, like it's not okay, you can't accept it. And I, I just that just made no sense at all. So in your child's hour of need, you don't accept what they're telling you. You reject it. No, that can't be. And if you insist on it, then you're out. What, what kind of parent is that? What kind of Christian is that? What kind of parent is that? What kind of human being is that? So yeah, that's that's the response I get, and I was got, and I was shocked, <laughs> and disheartened.
0: Well, I have to imagine in, in a community where you, you've put, you've entrusted your family, exactly. and you've spent so much time, then to be caught in this situation where your children are the most important thing to you, your religion is is also equally important. How do you then? Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile that? Right. Um, and some some parents do Right. And they, they stay true to their faith. Or they,
1: what they think is stay true to their faith. Right. It's not true to their faith. Right. It's true to their belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We stay true to our faith. Yeah. Because we found out what it really means mm-hmm. to love each other. This unconditional love that God is, we found out what that means. We took the hard road to, to discover that. So I think the people that embrace their kids and take the journey are truer to their faith than those who just say no and reject them or reject the whole thing or try to accept them, but they don't really accept them because it's not really okay and all, whatever that is doing in their head. They're the ones staying true, not staying true to who God is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So initially, when you're, you're, you're receiving this feedback that um, this, this is not okay and this is mm-hmm. not acceptable, initially, how did that impact your relationship with your church?
1: Well, we, we withdrew from the church. Um, I didn't—whatever thoughts we did have, we didn't for one minute— think of withdrawing from Annie or or saying you're not really this is not okay you can't be part of the family with this going on or whatever that was not in the equation but we did without a doubt withdraw from our church and and that's what when you the church tells that message that's what they're pushing families to do is to have to choose and and um, the faithful thing is to choose your child. So, yeah, it really, it really, we ended up moving. Uh, it was just kind of, we were done, and we were, it was time for a new horizon. Yeah, but I, it, it finished us as far as the conservative church. We had to discover what that would mean for us, but we had no interest in a church that would tell you to reject your child.
0: So what was it like to face losing that community that was such a central part of your family? We had to rediscover what it meant, what it means to have a faith community.
1: I think often of my grandfather who who got on a boat at whatever, however old he was, 17, in Italy and sailed to the U.S. to find a better life and waved goodbye to everything he knew. And that's a much more dramatic situation but it was for a better life and he, he had a better life than he would have had but uh, it, this is a very similar thing that you we were in the church 20 years we knew it inside out and we had to wave goodbye to all that was familiar and set out on our own and the materials weren't here for this I, I looked around for help And there was nothing, so I wrote the help. I created the the resources. Um, There's a lot more now. So we had to rediscover what it meant to love God and love others. What it meant, what family means, what community means. And now we've got community that's far better than we had before because it's unconditional. Because our other child can come out, you know, whatever. And we know there will be complete, full embrace. So
0: well, and I think that's you know, being a parent is that unconditional love, no yes. matter what, no yes. matter what you tell me,
1: I yes. will
0: always love you.
1: Yes, and God says that to us, but that's not the impression that non-affirming churches give you.
0: Well, I'm I'm fascinated by the role of religion in silencing the voice of so many. Can LGBTQ individuals and their families embrace and be embraced by their religious communities? Oh, absolutely. There are really good communities now that embrace
1: and are affirming. And, you know, you look for the the flag on the marquee. You look for the languaging that tells you all are welcome, all gender, all orientations, all, you know, all of that is welcome. And... Because a lot of the conservative churches, they know which way the wind is blowing. They know where this is headed. And so they bury their language and try to sound affirming when they're not. You know, oh, we accept everyone. But you read further down, and way down at the bottom it says, and we affirm marriages between a man and a woman. Okay, well then why don't you put that where people can actually see it? it, Because it's not forthcoming, which I... I find is really slippery and, um, I don't know,
0: not in, without integrity. I appreciate you sharing that because I know there are so many individuals who are struggling to find that place where they feel that true sense of mm-hmm. belonging and it can be, it can be frightening to put yourself in a, in a position yeah. where you don't know if you right. are going to be unconditionally accepted. So I appreciate you sharing those thoughts on, on factors that individuals can look for when they're looking yeah. for that accepting community. And I would I recommend for people, if they're not sure, that they call the church
1: and say, if I were to marry someone of the same gender, could I have it done here? Would the pastor perform it? And if there's anything other than a resounding, absolutely, it's not affirming. It's not fully affirming. So, you know, find out at the beginning when you haven't invested yourself for three years. Somebody uh, who was the right hand of a major pastor whose name you would know of a major church said to me, this was back when I was beginning, so it was, um, you know, nine years ago, But she said, Well, some people, we have a lot of gay people in here, and they don't even know until they've been here three years maybe that they can't be in leadership. (laughs) I was like, you say that like it's a good thing. That's not a good thing. You know, you're adopted essentially by a family, and then you find out, oh, you stand to be rejected down the road. That's not a favor. Tell me at the beginning, and I will put my resources elsewhere. So I'm really really adamant about this because it's been so damaging to so many.
0: So there's there's no roadmap for these circumstances that that come into our lives. How did you begin navigating your journey in loving and supporting Annie, educating yourself and integrating religion in mm-hmm. your path forward?
1: Mm-hmm. Well I didn't integrate religion, I integrated God. <laughs> I <laughs> left religion behind. Um, When Annie, I knew that the problem was not with Annie. I knew that the problem was not with my complete love and embrace of Annie. That's not where the problem was. And so I had to find out what, what that meant moving forward. Where is the problem and what do we do moving forward? And I prayed and I prayed and I really sought God's voice. And you know, when you're an evangelical, you learn to hear God's voice. And I did. I, I knew God's leading. And, and the more I read and the more I studied, the more I saw uh, how little love there was in these, you know, declarations about, well, it's, it's not okay to be whatever, whatever they said. There was no love in it. The more I read, the more I could just toss aside the stuff that had no love in it and love is the foundation. If there's no love, it's not the right thing. And so we, we proceeded forward on love for each other in our family and, and God's love for us. And then we, we went from there. And we found a lot of like-minded people out there. You know, there are churches that evangelicals think aren't even really Christian. <laughs> because they're not like them, but they're embracing of people um, who were different, and and who you know the evangelical churches
0: rejected. So, how uh, for for individuals who might be in your situation who are seeking mm-hmm. those those places where they're going to be um, accepted? How did how did you find start to find those those places yeah. and those individuals and those organizations? Yeah, and how do you find them? Is yeah. that kind of what you're mm-hmm. saying? Um,
1: well, as I said, those they weren't there when I when I started. They were loving Christians that were non-evangelical. But um, I I just started searching the Internet, reading everything I could, watching videos, and talking to God the whole time. And I found people that were doing good work. And I wrote, Mom, I'm gay, because I knew there were people out there, so many parents. If kids are being rejected, there are parents rejecting them. That that uh, many of whom may not even know better. They're just terrified because of the conditioning. So I just, I reached out and I started my blog and that went viral very quickly and people just came out of the woodwork to me. Um, But I, so I created resources and just brought a mom's group together um, with a couple of other women. We, We have this big online group now for moms. And so people find us and, and we're we're a community and moms and dads. My husband runs the dads group too. That's a that's available for dads. Um, that allows us to know that we're not alone, you know, because so many parents say, I think I'm the only one. Well, you're not. If kids are being rejected left and right, you know, and, and families are leaving the church, you never see them again. Oh well their son is gay. Oh, yeah, and they left the church because, of course, they did because they weren't welcome. So they can reach out to Freed Hearts. We will connect them to parents' groups. We have resources available. There's no reason today that anybody should be alone, even if you're in Timbuktu or whatever, um, a place where you think you're the only one. There are other people down the street. So we, we connect people for that purpose.
0: Yeah, one of the main reasons that I do this podcast is that I think no matter what your situation, if you have a spouse or a child who's gay, if you're living with an incurable disease, if you've been sexually abused, if you you're not talking about mm-hmm. it because you're you're afraid of what people might say, how they might treat you, and we that's so isolating yes. and we feel so alone and it's one of the reasons that I want to have these conversations is is to show people they are not alone right. and point them to resources. And so what I will do in the show notes for our podcast is I will put your website so that individuals Great. can go to find the books, the groups, the resources that you have created. Great. And
1: the, the feeling of being alone is really the essence of shame. And so that's why it's really important to find other people. You know, sex abuse survivors. When they find other people and they're able to tell their story, that eliminates the shame. Or any other thing, divorcees, that used to be such a
0: big thing. Find other people, it eliminates the shame. Two years after Annie came out, your daughter Hannah came out. Can you share your conversation and your reaction? Yes. So we were we were
1: driving into the garage of our building. And she was driving, she pulled right into the spot and she stopped. She said, mom, I, I think I'm like Annie. (laughs) And I said, what? (laughs) She said, I think I'm gay too. And I was like, no, you can't be. I remember saying that because the thought that went through my head was, oh my gosh, it is us. If it's two of you, it must be us. And I, I kind of laugh at that now. It's, totally not true but that my initial reaction was oh my gosh you can't be now she doesn't remember that she remembers me being very affirming and it was you know right after that that I I said okay whatever's whatever's really true for you you know you discover that and we are behind you and now it's just it's just a done deal I mean it was she's who she is and we accept her completely but we had to go through a little Recalibration. We did not expect that at all. Really, with
0: neither one, we expected it. I just read an article of a mom who talked about she has two sons who are gay and she really struggled with the first son. And then she got to a place where she felt so great about it. Yes. And her second son came out and she thought she'd be okay with it. I've been through this. I understand. I love. I accept. Yeah. she. it took her some time though to, yes. to, to get there yes. and she really struggled with well what does that say about me am I not exactly. loving and accepting that's exactly what it is and so oh. I think that is normal to have that
1: reaction yes. And yes I thought you were going to say what does that say about me that two of my kids because mm-hmm. I think that's a very common reaction when your first child comes out what's wrong with our family what did I do which is not true you get over that then the second one comes out and you're like oh my gosh it is me, but, but it's just, it's, it's a different expectation. If, you know, you're just finding out something about somebody that you didn't understand. So you thought you knew them and you, you just didn't understand it. Um, Hannah, who's a singer came out of her room. What we're all singers in the family, but she came out of her room one day and she would, and she could sing and she hadn't been singing before really. And it was this voice. We're like, where did that come from? So it was this whole other facet of her that we didn't know. And because that's a wonderful thing, it was a it was a positive. But when your child comes out and you've been taught that that's not okay, it takes some some assimilation, you know. Especially because we're also taught that it, there's something wrong with the parent that to have a gay child. So we have to really go through all that. And you know that your community is at stake if you're in that kind of church. And so you, there's a lot at stake for the parents, too. But the child is the one, the one closer to the fire is the one who needs the most, you know, protection. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's it's just a journey, but it's a journey. and we, we keep kind of thinking that. Life is going to be in a straight line, especially as Christians. God's going to get just guidance in a straight line.
0: That's just never happened for anybody. It doesn't happen. No, and I think that for so many people, they think that their journey should be linear. Right. And when it's not, they wonder, well, what's what's wrong with me? Right. What am I doing wrong? And, right. and what I have found is that our journeys are so circuitous. Yes. And some days you're moving forward. Many days you're moving back. Some days you fall off off the trail, right. you pick yourself back up and it's just continuing right. to move forward. Some days you make leaps and bounds, yes. and other days you're you're crawling and inching yeah. forward.
1: Or sitting.
0: Yes. That's right. We've we've talked a little bit about Freed Hearts. So you and Rob were inspired to found Freed Hearts yes. and it's an organization that supports LGBTQ children and their parents. Tell us a little bit more about how families could could be supported and what they might find if they were to become yes. part of your community.
1: Well, we, they can they can get in the mom's group or the dad's group, and they get a lot of support in there. They can ask their questions they can't ask anywhere else and find their other like-minded parents. We have a, a full-length video course for parents. It's 12 sessions, and it's... Packed with material that we I've gotten comments back from moms saying this this redeemed me this changed everything um, because I really go into the depth of the scripture and the church and the understanding and all of that stuff and it's very healing and we have have an LGBTQ course too for for that community to heal from their uh, family wounds their wounds from others and their self you know, self-carried-on wounds. They're condemnation of themselves. Um, so we've got books that go along with those and other books um, because people just really need you to hold their hand and walk them down this journey. It's unfamiliar. The the conditioning is strong and it's been there, you know, for a long time. And the, the deconditioning needs a little hand. So yeah, and we're we're rolling out our your beloved weekends that this year, where we'll be meeting in various cities and LGBTQ people will be coming and I'll help restore them to their original selves as beloved. and uh, still gay, still trans, <laughs> but beloved as they are, and to help heal their wounds, answer their scariest questions about God, about hell, about any of that, and helping them move forward in complete embrace of who they are as they are. So we're just constantly reinventing what we've got available for people because my heart really longs to set people free. That's really what I do. Our, our overall tagline is we change the conversation on love and inclusion.
0: Well, what a gift, and these weekends sound sound incredible, and um, again, I'm sure you'll have information mm-hmm. on your website about that. Yes. So what would you say your greatest vision is for Freed Hearts? Uh, where
1: no one is left unloved, where the conversation has shifted, uh, what, what Brene Brown did to shame and vulnerability. I am doing for love and inclusion, to bring about a different paradigm to view love and inclusion from instead of a task-based, works-based, you know, approval-based, which is a very masculine kind of linear um, mindset to be broader and include the feminine of, of love and acceptance that we've kind of, it's kind of been beaten down in our culture. And so to bring that in and to say that people are are human, people deserve love and, and inclusion because they're human, not because they've satisfied the person in charge sufficiently.
0: So the suicide rates of LGBTQ youth um, are, who lack Family or parental support are are staggering. Yes. Can you share the impact that Freed Hearts has made for individuals, their families, and communities?
1: Well, we, we like to say that we go to the source, and that's the parents. For every homeless child, there were parents who weren't there for them for whatever reason, and those who kicked their child out um, because of their gender or orientation, they're the people we reach at the front end to prevent homelessness as much as possible. And uh, 40% of homeless youth are LGBTQ. So that's, you know, the nat- it, it's like 10% of the population is LGBTQ. So 40%, four, four times as many kids are being made homeless because of their orientation. And 25% of those are kicked out the same day they come out to their parents. So if you have four classrooms in a school, one of those classrooms full of kids are kicked out the day they come out to their parents. That's, that's just appalling and horrifying. How can you make that decision that day, you have to be preconditioned to be so afraid of LGBT, of your child being gay, that you would make that decision like that. I don't even answer an email the same day, that's difficult. So, um, we really, really help parents. We deconstruct that conditioning that's been put in the, into them, really, in the 70s. You know, that was Jerry Falwell and the Moral Majority and Anita Bryant, Pat Robertson, and all of that began this campaign against LGBT. And it was for the purpose of political expedience. There's, there's just, you know, stuff you can read about that. And, and that's just unconscionable. And using God's name to do it. Those were the, the people in the Bible that Jesus yelled at was people who rejected others and used God's name to do it. And so we are accepting God, accepting others fully and using God's name to do it. We're reversing that trend. So, it's a big a big vision, but people are out there doing the work and we're doing the work every day.
0: Well, for the, for change to occur, you have to start with conversation and that's something that you didn't find when Annie first came out, and you and Rob have created that, and you're starting those conversations that some people would prefer to not have. They'd prefer to just avoid the conversation, and they're difficult conversations, and they're conversations that cause us to look at, perhaps, the deepest fears that we have about ourselves. Yes. And so I think it's incredible that you and Rob have created Mm -hmm. this starting place for conversation. Yes, thank you. For other parents who are in your situation, for a child who has come out to them, what wisdom can you share as they begin navigating their journey forward? Always look
1: for the love. Always look for what is loving. Uh, (laughs) As Mr. Rogers said, you know, when in disasters, always look for the helpers, as mother told him. And I I say always look for the love. What is loving? And I don't mean and I don't mean some pretend love like I'm kicking you out because I love you. I'm beating you because i love I love you. No. What does love feel like? It feels like embrace and acceptance and and being with people on the journey. And so find the love in you. And if you lack it, because we do sometimes, I may not love a certain person adequately. But if you're claiming God, then find God's love in you. Say to God, I don't know how to embrace my child right now. This goes against everything I thought you wanted. So you've got to help me. But I know unlove is not acceptable. That's a starting point. So you show me how to love them. We've had moms in the groups and dads in the group saying, you know, when I really talked to God and said, what do I do about my son? said you love them don't worry about their their uh orientation i got them and i love them you just love them i'll take care of the rest and i'll answer your questions those are the kind of answers they get back when they prayed about it so um always look for love and what that looks like and and how to be loving to your child and not have every conversation to be about their orientation or their identity Not have every conversation be an update on their status, but just go out for coffee and talk about other things. You know, just be with them. Just trust in this God that you claim that can move mountains, and trust that that God will actually teach you how to love your child, but don't give up the journey. If If you reject your child, and then down the road, you come to your senses. We People always come toward acceptance. They never accept and then come toward rejection. Um, so as you come to acceptance later, if you do, you may want to restore that relationship with your child. But it may be too late. The damage will be done. And they may want nothing to do with you, or they may not be there anymore. So as we say, err on the side of love if you're going to err. Instead, embrace them as they are. And later on, if you just can't come to grips with it, have that conversation later. But, but hold on to them, because there's more at stake than you have any idea for your child. They are facing more than you have any idea. They've only told you the tip of the iceberg. And if you, if you reject them, you will break them. And they will, they will go on to discover themselves, hopefully, But it'll be in spite of you, and it'll be outside of you. And I tell you, the older I get, the less interested I am in being at the end of my life without my beloved family and my children around me. That is the important thing, the end game, is the relationship. And so that's the thing I'm going to hold on to more than anything.
0: I think it's incredible what love can do in overcoming fear mm-hmm. and to come from that place yes. of love how that can help get you through the fear the anxiety the unknown yes yes that's right i i really do believe that
1: every action every thought either comes from love or fear and it and and you know it you know so yeah that's so press into the love And it'll overpower the fear. The fear will run away in the face of overwhelming love.
0: What do you think LGBTQ children most want their parents or their families to know?
1: That it's just me. It's just me, it's the same person I've always been. I'm the person you cuddled when I was little, that you sang songs to, that you watched me go off to kindergarten. I'm that same person, and I'm good-hearted, I'm loving, I'm kind. They, they all are. All these people I meet with, they're so kind and loving. They're everything a parent would want except for this one thing. So why don't you set aside this one thing, Mom and Dad? Just set it aside and just be okay with it. Just figure out that you're going to have to learn what it means but understand that I'm the same person
0: I've always been think that's really important it's in, it's incredibly powerful because they are they they're exactly who they were yeah, the day before that's right
1: you just didn't know this about them
0: exactly yeah what would you say the most challenging aspect of your journey has been i think the most challenging
1: aspect of this journey has been to break through the conditioned response that people have, that you try to show them that, hey, this making this this big thing, and even what you understand, God, to think about this, that was all a conditioned response. That was somebody's conditioning in you that snowballed in the culture, in the churches, in, in people. But it's not true. And so breaking it down to its component parts, that conditioning, you know, and helping people really see it. Because, I mean, how are you ever going to get Pavlov's dog to stop salivating when the bell rings and there's no food? You know, that's, that's so deeply conditioned. And so to, to decondition people, that's been the hardest. Parents especially, or, you know, church people especially, not the LGBTQ community. They're, they have lived it, so they understand it. And they're, they're willing to grow and learn that way. But parents, they're having to give up their communities and their good name of how they understood themselves to be as a parent. They have to recalibrate all that. You know?
0: Susan, you're a woman of strength. You lost both of your parents by your early 20s you've navigated a complicated relationship between your children's sexuality and religion, and you've recently battled breast cancer. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Congratulations on overcoming. Thank you. To what would you attribute your strength? I really love myself. I really do.
1: And I love my family, and I love God. And I... I've had a lot of fears throughout my life. As you can guess, just losing my parents was a huge thing. And so I've had to overcome those fears. But I really love the person that I am. And I, I'm grateful to be the person I am. And I wish all of us could love ourselves the way we are and just embrace ourselves as we are. My husband loves to say that if, if you could see yourself through God's eyes for a minute it would change your life and i feel like that i keep i keep looking at myself through God's eyes and other people too and and knowing that we there's so much good in us there's so much beauty and wisdom in us
0: and i think that's been a real strength for me what would you say is the biggest gift that has come through your experience in supporting Annie, Hannah, and so many others? You know,
1: when I was an evangelical Christian, I thought I was a really good person. I I thought I was really loving and kind. And when I broke through this journey I began to see how judgmental I was. I had no idea. They teach you in churches. They really condition you to be judgmental. You're discerning what's right and what's wrong. And I had no idea. So the the biggest gift that came from all of this was discovering a depth of love and compassion and tenderness deeper than I had ever accessed before. And you know, I, I see people now, I see people now, and I love people as they are now. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Awesome.
0: I'm gonna re-ask you a question that I asked at the beginning of our conversation. <laughs> and that is, do you consider yourself a typical family? Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. I think the previous typical family was within only a certain context, but now we're a typical family, whatever typical means, in that we, we are crazy about each other, we love each other, we're close, we support each other, and, and we are all doing our own lives in, in our own way, and it's been huge. I love, I love these kids. My goodness, and I love that man of mine who just makes life worth living. <laughs> so, yeah, it's typical in the very, very best way. Yeah, yeah. I would
0: say so. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Susan, is there anything that you and I haven't talked about that you would like our listeners to know? I just want to say don't lose heart
1: wherever you are. If you're a parent, if you're LGBTQ, if you're a church member who doesn't understand what's happened now to the church, don't lose heart. If, if, you're, if God is the thing to you, then press into God and say, help me understand. Press into love, always press into love. Don't, don't press into figuring it out because we figure things out wrong. Let the answers just come, and then they will clink into place. But instead, press into love, and you will find your whole world opens up.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Susan, I've so enjoyed getting to know you, and I'm so grateful that you have opened your heart to having conversations with me. And I'm so appreciative of you sharing this beautiful message of love.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Kirsten, and thanks for doing this work to get these words out. It's wonderful.
0: Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Unexpected Launch podcast. Thank you to Duncan Music Project who produced this episode and composed the music.